and work strong in spirit, filled with wisdom, and the grace of God was upon him. Verse 52. And Jesus increased in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. From these two verses, you can see some evidences in growth. When Christ was growing, you will see evidences, you see things here that show growth, reflections of growth. So I'm speaking today again on what your ultimate aim should be, but the other point I'll be considering will be evidences of growth. That's what I'll be dealing with. Let's pray. Father God. We thank you for the privilege we have in Christ to come into your presence, mingling our voices in praise, in prayer, in worship, and adoration to your name. We thank you, Lord, because of what you taught us last week and for what you are going to teach us this week. We open our mouth and pant, longing for your commandments. Speak, Lord, for thy servant heareth. Father, let it be that the things we are learning, we are receiving, we are hearing and seeing. May we be doers and not hearers only. Help us to apply faith to the word that is coming and help us to make a commitment to be doers that your great name may be glorified continually father we honor and praise you be glorified in jesus name we pray amen last week i started by speaking to us on the fact that god wants us to be like jesus christ and that every child of God and minister especially should have a desire to be like Jesus Christ then I give you a second point that not only does God want us to be like Jesus Jesus also wants us to be like him Jesus came to reflect to us not just who the father is and who the father looks like but he also came to reflect to us who God wants us to be like so God wants us to be like Jesus and Jesus also wants us, as it were, to be like him. Then I went to a third statement which I made, and that was the word of God command us, expects us, and demand of us that we should be like Jesus Christ. Then I made a fourth statement by saying, the best shape any believer can be in, and the best shape you can be in for ministry is to be like Jesus Christ. That is why I always recommend every young minister to be familiar with Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, 89 chapters. And you should be familiar with it by going over it again and again and again and again several times. Because that is the best shape to be in. The shape you are in will affect your ministerial success. If somebody is not fit, affect the results he gets naturally. And the best fit condition you can be in is to be like Jesus Christ. I made all those four points that I went on to talk about the fact that one of the most outstanding things about Jesus was that he grew. He grew. When God first of all made the first Adam in Genesis, that one did not grow. You not find the word growth with reference to the first with reference to the first man that God created in the Garden of Eden. The word growth is not reflected in any of his experience. When God made him, he made him a full-grown man. Adam did not grow. He was already grown by the day God manufactured him. 
the day he was, by the time he was two years two days old he married a wife and you saw what happened to him he did not experience growth and so when the devil came he wasn't strong he wasn't well built to be able to confront or take on the devil the way he should have and so when god was bringing jesus to the world who was going to be the second man that came into the world without natural reproduction he was going to be the last adam god adopted a different method instead of making a fully grown man he started by bringing a child isaiah 9 6 said unto us a child is born unto us a son is given you can see here it says the child grew and walked strong in spirit he was filled with the holy ghost and the grace of god was upon him there were things there you can see that are evidences of the fact that he grew and when you read verse 52 you see the same thing and that was the same thing that happened to john the baptist john the baptist according to luke 1 80, 80 he says the child grew and walked strong in spirit and was in the desert until the day of his showing to israel if you can if you don't grow you can't survive in the desert many people who don't grow do not survive in the desert when desert conditions begin to beseech their soul they begin to cry and complain and murmur you remember what happened to the children of israel in the wilderness because they had not grown they began to complain for food that is one of the things that little children complain about food when we were children whenever it was time for food and food was not served if you look at our face it will seem like we have been bereaved <laughs> but when a man matures one of the things you begin to see about him is that food no longer becomes an issue food for the belly belly for food god will destroy both food and the belly so the person begins to know that the body is for more than raiment and life is more than for food so that is another evidence you see that growth has occurred so i now spoke about the fact that jesus had to grow and it is ultimate he started out as the babe of bethlehem he continued in growth and became jesus of nazareth who went about doing good healing all that were oppressed of the devil for god was with him and then he grew on and became the lamb of god that taketh away the sins of the world he died he was a crucified lamb of god according to the prophecy in john 1 29 and then when he died he was buried and then he resurrected he became the resurrected lord and then he became the ascended christ and he's going to grow and keep growing until he becomes the soon and coming king so you see that even jesus in ministry grew he started as a babe and then grew to become someone who went about healing and then grew to become the lamb of god and then grew to resurrect grew to ascend and grew and is still growing to come back and be our reigning king so christ grew and that's why i said the ultimate aim everyone should have is that you grow and your ministry grows then i said seven things and it was on the seventh one that i gave my conclusion and i'm just going to run through the seven things in case you didn't get it down properly i said number one most growth is gradual and steady virtually imperceptible to the eyes i mean you don't know how you grow physically you just see that you're already six feet two it is not perceptible as to when you turn from six one to six two it's not something that can be seen the kingdom of god is like a man that takes seed and cast to the ground night and day he sleepeth and the plant grow and he does not even know about it so the first thing i said was that most growth is gradual and steady virtually imperceptible growth is not something you can hasten 
I mean, it can be hasted in a way, but it's not something you can say, today I want to be one foot, and then tomorrow I want to be six feet. It can't be done like that. It's gradual, steady, and it is imperceptible. Secondly, I said, our personal growth is different from our ministerial growth. In as much as you need to grow personally, you also need to grow ministerially. Let me, let me compare that to something here. It's like a petrol tanker. A petrol tanker needs a tank for it to be able to operate as a lorry. But it also carries fuel, 33,000 liters of, of AGO, known as diesel, or PMS, or other form of petroleum products in its tank. The personal growth you and I need can be compared to the tank of the truck, the trunk of the trailer. While our ministerial growth can be compared to the tanker that stores what we are carrying somewhere. The petrol tanker that is going to carry 33,000 liters to somewhere must have petrol in its own tank. Many times our ministries grow faster than our personal life and it becomes disastrous. That is the situation you find in Samson. He had an anointing that his character could not carry. So, in as much as you are trying to develop your ministry, reading the Bible to preach, fasting and praying and waiting on God to prepare, waiting upon your ministry, as it is said, you also need to also make sure you read the Bible, not just to preach it, but to feed on it. You too need food. Psalm 28, verse 9, he said, Feed us and lift us up forever. Proverbs 30 verse 5 Every word of God is pure By the time you get to verse 8 of Proverbs 30 He said feed me with food that is convenient for me I open my mouth and I pant for I long for your commandments Jeremiah 15 16 said that words were found and I did eat them And that words were the joy and the rejoicing of my heart In other words he absorbed it He oxidized it He took the food ate it and absorbed it Into his own system He didn't just receive the word to go and pass it along there are words you can receive and pass it. Ezekiel 3.17 Ezekiel 3 verse 7 says you receive the word you give it out. But there are certain ones you eat yourself like the one Jeremiah talked about. He said the words were found and I did eat them. And the word was the joy and the rejoicing of my heart from God by your name. He didn't have to pass that one across. Those were the ones he was feeding on. You need to be fed. You need to be fed. So personal growth is important to ministerial. It's also important as ministerial growth. Do not develop your ministry faster than your spiritual life. Because it is still your spiritual life that will carry the ministry that you are developing. Make sure you spend time, allocate time to developing, growing personally. And then allocate time to waiting upon your ministry. Find better new ways of doing the same thing you have done before. Whether it's deliverance. Read books on deliverance to grow your ministry. Books on deliverance will not grow your personal life. And then read books that will feed you. I always tell people this. If you are going to feed other people, you must eat something better. A minister does not read the same kind of books that the congregation member reads. Or he will run out of points. If what the minister is reading is what the congregation is reading, then the minister himself will be on the same level as the congregation. And so he cannot lead them to greener pastures. You must be feeding on something superior, something higher, something deeper, something richer. That's why I always tell people, I don't buy most of the common books and common authors that most Christians find on the shelf. Most of the popular authors. The kind of books I buy for my personal growth are completely different. The kind of materials I feed on are completely different. They are the kind that promote my spiritual growth. 
and then I can grow my ministry after that. I said that last week, but I didn't say it as exhaustively as I've said it. Then I said something which was the thought that I said. I said, if you refuse to grow, know that others are growing. And if you don't grow, you will soon be relegated to the background. A church that refuses to grow will soon be relegated to the background. A Christian worker or minister that refuses to grow should know that others are growing. And very soon what you call revelation will be nothing. In the eyes of other people who are also getting revelation on a daily basis. You have to run because others are running. You have to grow because others are growing. Others are not static. People are also moving forward. They are getting better. They are getting better things. People are getting into the world. People are getting into the things of God. And if you are not careful and all you do is just assume that because you are relevant today, you will be relevant tomorrow, you, are, you have another thinking coming. Number four thing I said is that growth is an evidence of spiritual health. A child that does not grow is spiritually sick. A ministry that is not growing means that it's not healthy. A child that is not growing is a child that is not very healthy. If a child is going to grow, then that child is going to be healthy. So growth is an evidence of health. Of health. If your ministry is healthy, it will grow. If the department is healthy, if choir department is healthy, it will grow. Grow in quality, grow in quantity, grow in intensity, grow in terms of membership and so on. If a department does not grow, it means there is there are certain things wrong, as it were, in the department. Number f- uh, then I said another thing that is number five. I said lack of growth will rob us of privileges. The Bible says in Galatians chapter four verse one, it says the hair, verse one and two. It says the hair, for as long as the child is not different from all, is not different from a servant rather, though he is master of all. When someone who is a heir to a throne. Or heir to something refuses to grow, he's not different from a servant, though he is master of all. Verse 2 now says he's under tutors and governors for the purpose of growth until the time appointed of the father. So growing allows you to take advantage of privileges. I have a, a last son by the name of Faithfulness, who is now about 18 years old, 18 plus years old. I mean, several years ago, when he was three years old, he could not take advantage of the fact that we had a car in the house. I mean, he could not take advantage of it, but as he has grown, and he has now grown to be 17, 18, and now on his way to the 19th birthday, he can pick any car and drive. Because it is growth that makes it possible for him to enjoy the privilege of the cars that are in the house. I don't think there's any car in the house that he cannot drive. Not lorry, not tipper or trailer. I'm talking about because he knows how to drive, there is no car he cannot drive. But he had to grow to be able to enjoy the privilege. It had to grow. If you don't grow, there are certain privileges that will pass you by. There are certain things you should have an experience that you may not have an experience because you did not grow. And then I made another point, number six. And what I said was that while we need to appreciate where we are, but we also need to be dissatisfied with wherever we are. Dissatisfaction with where you are is an indication of interest in progress and growth. We can appreciate where we are, but where we are now is not where we are going. For here, have we no continuing city? We seek another to come. So growth is something that you can always ginger and propel by your personal dissatisfaction with where you are. Then I ended on the seventh point by talking about dimensions of growth. And I introduced us to six dimensions, six aspects of growth. Upward growth, downward growth, inward growth growth 
outward growth, onward growth, and then all round or balanced growth. And so by the grace of God today, I want to deal with the evidences, indicators, indices, or things that you can use to measure whether you are growing or not. To measure your growth, to indicate that you are growing, to indicate you are developing, to indicate you are getting to where God is taking you, you are becoming the person God wanted to be. Some of them will reflect inward growth. I mean, they will, they will reflect things that have to do with you, and they will also reflect things that have to do with ministry. I mean, all of them, rather, will reflect both. And so I will deal with about seven of them that I have set my eyes upon to do. I wanted to go ahead and deal with um, uh, the things that work against growth, but I will do that next week. I will not do that this week. I will do it next week. I will deal with that next week. Evidences, symbols, signs, indicators of growth as it were just like there are evidences of growth in a natural person there are also evidence of growth in our spiritual lives or in our ministry or in the work of our hands the first evidence of growth i want to deal with today is humility increase humility humility is an important attitude humility is an important attitude one thing that is ordinarily naturally humanly physically common to all men is pride pride is not something that the bible encourages us to practice because it is something that comes to us naturally proverbs 22 15 it says foolishness is bound up in the heart of a child but the rod of correction will chase it far one of the things we are born with one of the things in every one of us is pride. Pride. There are three terrible sins. The lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and then the pride of life. And God's word tells us in 1 John 2, 15, 16 to 17, Love not the world, not the things that are in this world. One of the things you and I brought into the kingdom of God, one of the things we brought into the kingdom of God is pride. And people's pride, is they are based on the following on our age some of us are proud because of our age we are proud that we are young we are proud that we are old we are proud that we are this in terms of age another thing is our sex some men are proud because they are men while some are proud because they are women women are proud at times because they are women beautiful women and men are proud at times because they are men they are very scarce another thing that is the basis of people's pride is their possession wealth riches all of these things are the basis of pride another base of basis of pride is position our position i'm a pastor i'm a hod i'm an apostle i'm a prophet i'm a president of a fellowship i'm a treasurer i'm a secretary and all these things create pride in people's heart another thing that is a source of pride our achievements in life our achievement people achieve both in the spiritual they achieve also in the physical i built a church i set up a department i was the first person to do this i was the first person to print a newsletter i was the first person to do this our achievement a basis of pride another thing that is a source of pride is qualification our qualification i hold, i have a phd i'm a professor i have a first class degree 
I, I came first in our class. Our qualification. All of these are sources of pride. Another source of pride is experience. Experience. I've been married now for 25 years. I've been a Christian for 20 years. I've been in this church going ask for 12 years. I'm an experienced Remite. I'm not just one of those greenhorn Remites who is sitting there warming the bench. Go and ask them in the 90s. Uh-huh. The experience. The experience. All of these are sources of pride. Achievement, experience, our qualification, then our knowledge. Knowledge puffs up what we think we know. What we think we know. All of these things are sources of pride. For you to know that you are growing... There will be less of pride based on all these things. You no longer will talk about yourself or reckon yourself as something. You will do exactly what John did, John 3.30. As his ministry grew, John said concerning Jesus, He must increase, I must decrease. The word of God tells us humility is very important. First Peter 5, 5 says we should be clothed with humility. We should humble ourselves under the mighty hands of God. We need to be humble. Christ was humble. Everything Christ did, you will see humility in it. Humility is an indication of growth. It means, you see, when, when you are no longer looking at what you have, your position, and as a result of that looking down on others, or as a result of that thinking others are inferior to you, when all of those things are no more, when they no longer have a hold on you is an indication that you are becoming more humble and that's an indication of growth when a maize or corn or guinea corn or millet matures its head begin to bow its head begin to bow romans chapter 12 if you read from verse 1 said i beseech you therefore brethren that you present your bodies the living sacrifice holy and acceptable to god which is your reasonable spiritual service then verse 2 said, Be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the reading of your mind to be what is that good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. Then in verse 3 he says, I speak to every one of you by the grace that is given to me, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think. He did not say, Don't think high about yourself. Because God has set you and I on high. Ephesians 2 6, he said, We have been made to sit together with him in heavenly places. He said, But do not think of yourself more highly. Than you ought to think. Don't overestimate your relative importance. Don't think you are more than who you are. You need to have the same measure of who you are. You need to be able to value yourself according to you see, you need to be able to value yourself in a just manner. Do not overvalue who you are, what you are, and what you can do. Anyone who is overvaluing who they are, what they have, and what they can do is manifesting pride humility 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 do not exaggerate do not have an exaggerated opinion of your importance it does not take any effort to be proud it takes a lot of effort to be humble take a lot of effort to be humble i've seen men who have spoken to me that a woman was getting rid of them that what do what does that woman mean uh, just another woman I have about one of you, I have someone like you in my house. Now that is pride. That is pride. That is pride. You see, pride is an indication that you are not broken within. It's an indication that Jesus is not, is not yet Lord over certain departments of your life. 
you are blowing your own trumpet you are sounding to everybody to know and think that you have arrived pride 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 is very unfortunate we need to remain you see the more insignificant you are in your eyes the greater the indication you are growing if when you started as a child you have to maintain that childlike spirit Micah 6 8 says what uh, he has told you he has shown you man, what is good what the Lord requires of you one of the things he requires is that you walk humbly with your God the God we serve is a humble God Psalm 138 verse 6 Psalm 113 verse 6 tells us God is humble second Corinthians 3 5 Paul says we are not we are not sufficient of ourselves to think ourselves to be anything our sufficiencies of God who hath made us able that is not pride that is humility when you know you by yourself in yourself you are not able Philippians 4 13 says I can do all things through Christ humility is letting everybody know that you are who you are by the grace of God that it is not what you have made yourself to be pride is destructive humility promotes proverbs 15 33 before honor is humility but pride always go be before a fall it was pride that took nebuchadnezzar to the university of animals the big question you need to ask yourself is this am i proud first corinthians 4 7 as we make it to differ from another what is it that you have that you did not receive pride humility is an indication when you when, when when jesus christ came and he was saying the words that i speak they are not mine it is the father that dwelleth in me that doeth the works now that is humility that's an expression of humility that's an expression of humility he could have said after all i'm the second in command to the god himself and why can't i do those things i can do it as my father does it as god the father does it he kept ranking himself under someone else you see that is when you see that you are not independent when you see that you are not someone that is the only type available a musician can be proud thinking that there's nobody like him a counselor can be proud an officer of the church can be proud a deacon can be proud a pastor can be proud to such a point that he will say what i'm doing nobody else can do it but jesus wasn't he said the work that i do shall you do also even greater works than this shall you do the word of god encourages us to be humble humble is the bible tells us in james 4 6 that god give grace more grace to the humble the word of god says in james 4 10 is it humble yourself in the sight of the lord and he will promote you pride is uh, after a while they differentiate between the father the mother after a while they differentiate between the parents and then everybody from outside and then they begin to reject people from carrying them and so on growth what evidence of growth is discernment to discern means i want to give you a definition of discerning means to recognize to discover to differentiate to distinguish between good and bad clean and unclean right and left between good and evil righteousness and wickedness to design you are able to design you are able to differentiate you are able to distinguish the voice of the devil from the voice of god from the voice of your own spirit 
you are able to recognize this is God at work. This is Satan. These are demons. This is a lie. This is a truth. At times when some people speak to you, you don't know the difference between truth and lies. But when you grow, when you are growing, you just begin to have a consciousness. Without anybody telling you it's a lie, you just know what he's saying is a lie. You just know. Now that is a sign of growth. It means your spirit man is growing to be able to distinguish and differentiate. To distinguish and differentiate. You sit down, a man of God is preaching, and everybody is shouting. But your spirit just feels somehow. You know, that is growth. You never used to feel like that, but you begin to feel like that. That is growth. It means you are now picking something more clearly in the spirit. Something you never was able to do before. That is design. The word design in Latin means to separate thoroughly. To separate thoroughly. To separate thoroughly. I've been in a place before and someone was ministering and people were shouting and I just knew in my spirit something was not right. <laughs> I just knew in my spirit this is not the proper thing. This is not the this is not of God. And I said it to the person near me. I said, the man looked at me. He saw that I was so quiet. He saw that I was not enthusiastic about what was happening. And he looked at me and said, What's wrong? I said, This thing is not of God. He said, Ah, don't let them hear you. <laughs> to look at look at what you say is not of God. Now that is a babe. A baby at times thinks urine is water. A baby will see fire, a, 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 a coal that is red hot, and want to pick it and put it in the mouth. Because it thinks it's a red toy. A baby does not know the difference. But as you begin to grow, you see the difference. Your spiritual antennas are not able to catch things before now that you never were able to catch before. That was the strength of Solomon. Solomon design. That was the strength of Jesus when he was here. Check these scriptures when you get home out. Now, Matthew 12, 25. Matthew 22, 18. Mark 2, 8. Luke 6, 8. Luke 9 47, Luke eleven seventeen. You will see the Bible said, and Jesus perceived, and Jesus knew. All those words are things that is speaking in the spirit. Look at what the scripture we read tonight said. Luke 2 40. The child grew and walked strong in spirit. In spirit. He grew and walked strong in spirit. And he was filled with wisdom. And the grace of God was upon him. When you work strong in spirit, you are able to design and differentiate and distinguish things. You look at a scenario, and you just know this is not right. You never felt like before. You see a brother and a sister who have been in courtship before now, whom you probably even acknowledge their courtship. But after a while, you have grown spiritually. You look at the same person and say, No, this is, not, this is not proper. This is not, this is not the right thing. Or you look at someone. I just look at them. You've, you've seen them before. Everything they have always done, I've been accepted. I've been admitted by you. But all of a sudden, you just begin to feel, this thing is not right here. This is not proper here. Now, that is growth. It means that you're now beginning. The Bible tells us in Hebrews, I, I, I want us to read that scripture. Open to Hebrews chapter 5. It's such a blessing here. Hebrews chapter 5. I read from verse 12. Hebrews 5 verse 12. To 14 you'll see where discernment is clearly emphasized you know the apostles in the beginning you remember peter peter could not discern. jesus was speaking to peter about his crucifixion about the fact that he was going to be dead 
he was going to be buried he was going to resurrect he was going to ascend and peter said ah be it far from you ah be it far from you that will not happen he was not designing but after a while he grew and so when he went to samaria and there was this man by jesus <laughs> simon magos who when he saw that they were ministering the holy ghost to people and they were being filled with the holy spirit what did he do he offered them money he looked at him like this he had grown then he had grown spiritually he said your money perished with you because i perceive he said you are still in the gall of bitterness and the bond of iniquity this was somebody who could not perceive earlier on he had grown you remember thomas didymus who just guys was speaking was it philip philip now philip this was in john chapter 11 when just guys told him he said lazarus was sleeping and uh, thomas said if he's sleeping he's doing well and then just guys said lazarus is dead he said let us go and die with him now you can see that there is no perception you know uh, he can't catch it he can't catch it once he said it twice you're supposed to hear it but at times according to job 33 14 he said god said it once he said it twice but the man did not catch it now let's look at his, these hebrews i mean uh, this scripture i wanted us to look at in james very quickly james chapter 5 i mean uh, hebrews hebrews rather hebrews chapter 5 i read from verse 12 for when for the time ye ought to be teachers we have need that one teach you again which be the first principles of the oracles of god which have become such which are become such as have need of milk and not of strong meat for everyone that useth milk is unskillful in the word of righteousness for he is a babe but strong meat belongeth to them that are of full age you see from babe to full age even those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil there are certain people by reason of use you just you are not able to discern remember the definition i gave you design means to recognize to discover to differentiate to distinguish between good and bad those who by reason of use now the word design in greek is the word anakrino a-n-a-k-r-i-n-o which is the process whereby things that appear whole are separated into various component units when you design it simply means that you are able to separate a complete picture into separate parts it is the word that is used in greek to describe that process whereby something whole is broken down into parts you are able to design able to separate able to distinguish know the person that is of the spirit and the person that's not of the spirit is designing is a sign of growth i always tell people you need to grow even to get married to the right person some people have not grown properly they just born again they have not grown anyhow and a man comes to approach them and instead of being able to design even without hearing somebody is just speaking like this and from what they say because of your senses that have been exercised you can pick what is true and what is a lie you can separate what is from what is not so that is the second evidence of growth discernment ability to be able to know the difference betwixt and amongst ability to be able to catch things in whole ability to be able to get something the way that thing is you need discernment you need discernment a lot and that is why spiritual growth becomes necessary you see spiritual growth is not just something that is necessary for the purpose of the father who says necessary spiritual growth will help you to be able to discern 
things do not look inside the way they look outside things will not look in 10 years time the way they now look it is discernment that helps you to be able to see far ahead to be able to see deep within you need discernment to be able to escape the devil's trap in ministry you may want to employ a staff and by the time you look at the person in the spirit by the help of the holy spirit you're able to know that this kind of staff will not be reliable will not be dependable will not be reliable will not be dependable i always say this and i learned this from kenneth copeland he says whenever you employ any person a staff and whenever you look at them they strike fear into your spirit he said it is time for you to expel them to fire them he said because that is the spirit of domination the spirit of witchcraft if you want to you look at someone uh, that is supposed to be under you and you are afraid of that person it's an expression of the spirit of domination the spirit of witchcraft the spirit of manipulation and uh, usually it's all, always that time to, 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 to fire them whenever I relate to people for example and whenever I see them I relate to them whenever I see them there is a clash in the spirit I, I do not feel peace or joy or I do not feel uh, settled within me I know that kind of person should not be around me it may not be immediately that such a thing should manif will manifest but that is gross you are now beginning to sense you are now able to catch some things that are in the air this is not the gift of suspicion no. because some people have that gift everybody's been suspected because of their family background and what they have suffered in life so everybody is a suspect unless proven otherwise <laughs> so but what i'm saying is just it's, it's a growth it's an ex ex expression of growth you, you will just know you will know some things you will just know what ordinarily naturally physically humanly is beyond human comprehension you need discernment jesus manifested a lot of this discernment and it is something you acquire or you are able to exercise as a result of growth as a result of growth that is the second evidence of growth let me move on here the third evidence of growth is this increased love for others becoming more like god who is love so the third evidence of growth is that there is an enlarged capacity to love you are able now to love the brethren the bible talks about first peter 1 22 love unfeigned there are some of us that can still not love some people because of what they have done but you see if you love the way god loves there is nobody that is unlovable because god loves everybody for god so loved the world the more you can love everybody and have room in your heart for everybody is an indication of growth but if there are still some people that are unlovable it simply means that you have not grown to that point uh i remember vividly this evidence in my own life man by nature is selfish for you to grow then the love of god that is shed abroad in your heart will begin to take you over gradually in such a way that you can virtually accommodate anybody and everybody in your heart without complaint now that is love you must be able to love all brethren first john 2 17 says love the brotherhood hebrews 13 verse 1 says let brotherly love continue talking about jesus when he came here he loved everyone he loved everyone he loved the brethren he loved the brethren and he loved the sinner he loved the saint so the third evidence is increased love love of the brethren you love the brethren no matter what church they are from no matter what their history or background may be you love them you love them 
because God is love. And as God is being formed in us, as God is being built up in us, remember that prayer Paul prayed for the Galatian Christians. Galatians 4 19. He said, My little children, of whom I travel in birth until Christ be formed in you. Now, the forming of Christ is the growth of Christ. You will have enough room for everybody inside you. You'll be able to love everybody. Everybody. You'll be able to love your enemies. Love your enemies. Now, that's a very difficult thing. But God loves his enemies. You were his enemy. He loved you. He loved you. And until you can be able to say, I love my enemies. You know, Jesus Christ said it in this way. I like it. Matthew 5, 43. He said, you have heard it has been said. Love your friends and hate your enemies. He said, but I see unto you in verse 44. Matthew 5, 44. He said, love your enemies. Bless them that curse you. Pray for them that despitefully use you and persecute you. That you may be children of your heavenly father. That is growth. Growth. Growth in love. Grow in grace. Grow in the grace of love. Very important. That is the fruit of the spirit. Galatians 5.22 talks about love being the fruit of the spirit. That is what God wants to grow in us. The love of God to grow in us. First Thessalonians chapter 3 verse 12 talks about we are bounding in love. Second Thessalonians chapter 1 verse 3. Paul was thanking God because of the Thessalonian Christians because he said they were growing exceedingly in faith and in charity. Charity simply means love. Love your enemies. Love your enemies. Are you able to love your enemies? Can you love your enemies? Do you love your enemies? If someone does something bad, does love go out to them? Or do you feel like cursing them? You see, when you curse people, or you set up prayer meetings to rain fire down, or baptize people with spiritual leprosy, because they have done this or that, it's an indication of lack of spiritual growth. It means you are not growing up to him. Did he curse? He said we should not repay reviling with reviling. We should not, when we suffer, we should not threaten. But we should bless, bless, because you and I have been called to inherit a blessing. Proverbs 25, 21, he said, and it's repeated in Romans 12, 20. If your enemy is hungry, he said, give him food. You see that? Can you do that? I mean, you may not be able to do that now. But a time is going to come when you will be able to do that. Now that is growth. It's an indication you have grown. When you have room in your heart for those who hurt you. When you still have room in your heart to overlook a transgression. It means that love has covered a multitude of sin. Proverbs 10, 12. Hatred standeth of strife, but love covereth, covereth, covereth a multitude of sin. Jesus Christ prayed for those that despitefully used him. He said, Father, forgive them because they don't know what they are doing. Paul prayed, I mean, Stephen, when he was being stoned to death, he prayed for those people who were carrying out the stoning. Ladies and gentlemen, what I'm saying is this. That is an evidence of growth. You love your enemies. Romans 12 20. If your enemy is hungry, give him food. If he's thirsty, give him water. In this way, you heap coals of fire upon his head, and God will give you a reward. It's an indication you have grown. It's an indication you are growing when love oozes out of you. When you don't get angry at every little thing that people have done to such a way that you don't have any room anymore inside you. Charity covereth. Charity covereth. That is what. Is an evidence, as it were, evidence of growth. Increased 
charity increased charity towards all men to love your neighbors it is called the royal law who is your neighbor let me tell you your neighbor your neighbor is anybody who is in need anybody who is in need that is your neighbor any man or woman who is in need it doesn't have to be someone you know before someone you have met before someone who belongs to your family anybody who is in need is describing the scriptures as my neighbor and the bible says in proverbs chapter 3 verse 28 if anybody who is in need comes to you and what is asking for you have it he said give it to him do not tell him to go and come back love your enemies love the brethren no matter what church they are from love them help them they don't have to be close to you for you to help them anybody who is in need is your neighbor what i'm trying to show you is for you to be able to say i'm growing i cannot love people that are unlovable before i now accept people that are unacceptable i meet people for the first time they need my help and i reach out and i help them now that is loving your neighbor they don't have to be somebody you know they don't have to have done you good before nothing that is jesus that is god that is the god kind of love that is the ability of the god kind of love within us is an indication you are growing when you're able to love the way jesus loved where god loved for god so loved the world loved the world he loved the murderer he loves the fornicator he loves at times in the church when people get pregnant or people commit some heinous sin and all of us begin to withdraw from them now what is the hope of such a person it, it, the question is not that we are supposed to condone what they are doing but we are supposed to help them they need help if people can help themselves so the things they do they wouldn't do them it's only in the church that we kill those among us who are wounded in the military when a, mili when a soldier is wounded on the battlefront the military will spend so much money to go and retrieve that person from the battlefront love 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 on thin love without deceit in the church we only love those who love us we only care for those who care for us that's not proper it's not supposed to be like that god so loved the world he loves everybody there's nobody he does not love he does not condone what we do all of the negative things we do but he loves us and you know with his love towards us he can always bring us to begin to do the right thing when we are yet enemies when we are yet antagonistic to christ he proved his love he died for us uh, when you see that you can love people that are unlovable people who hurt you people who disregard you people who disrespect you people who look down on you people who have no time for you people who render you useless and look at you as a piece of rag when you can still have a place in your heart then you are growing because man by nature is selfish we are only concerned about i me myself but if you can now begin to see that you can bring everybody in everybody's desire touch you everybody's situation touch you you may not be able to do all of what they want you to do but you do the little that you can do with the whole of your heart with the whole of your soul and with the whole of your might ladies and gentlemen those are evidences of growth increased love increased love it has been said that the more love a church exhibits the more people will come to the church love is a very scarce commodity in this world it is difficult difficult to find true love true love true love the kind of love that jesus has for us and yet jesus commanded you and i john 15 12 this is my commandment that you love one another even as i have loved you john 13 34 a new commandment i give unto you that you love one another 
even as I have loved you. Verse 39 says, By this shall all men know that you are my disciples if you have this kind of love one for another. Many churches are on the same spot because there's no love. You know, judgment rejoice above mercy. There is mercy. God is a God of judgment and justice, but is also a God of mercy. He's a God of grace. He's a God who by grace disregard what you've done yesterday to give you blessings today. It's not everything that everybody does that they need to pay for. Are you hearing me? Most of the time, you and I, we haven't grown. The love of God has not grown in us. The nature of Christ, which is love, is not grown in us. And you can see it in the way we hold tight to money when other people have need. In the way we hold tight to help when other people can be assisted. In the way we do not reach out to people except those of our own household. And ladies and gentlemen, that is not the love of God. The love of God can love the unlovable. And it is not only those who show you love that you ought to show you love. He says, it's when you love this way that you'll be showing yourself to be children indeed of your heavenly father. And for ministry, ministry is about communicating God's love to people. That's all it's about. Communicating God's love. Telling people God loves them. That's ministry. Reaching out in love. You see, ministry is feeding people. They don't know them. They have never met them. These people, ministries will go and gather money and feed people. Clothe them. Even in areas where many of these people are antagonistic to the Christian faith. I was watching one Christian program recently and I saw Christians distributing aid and support in areas where people profess to hate Christianity. And yet, they are giving them food, they are giving them clothes, they are giving them shelter, they are giving them all kinds of assistance. Now that is love of God perfected. That is the kind of love that God wants us to illustrate and to show as a sign of growth. Number four, I think that's number four now. Another evidence of growth is increased spirituality in our tests and mind increased spirituality in our tests and mind what that simply means is that you begin to take more interest in spiritual things above carnal physical natural things you discuss scriptures instead of discussing champions league there's nothing wrong with discussing champions league but everything is wrong if you spend more time discussing Champions League than you spend discussing spiritual things. When you are growing, you'll just see that your affection is set on things above and not on things on the earth. When you have 20,000, you are more interested in probably buying a new Bible than in buying a new shoe. Your tests for spiritual things is accentuated. Your mind and your thoughts is more on spiritual things. Isaiah 26 verse 3 said, I will keep them in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on me. Your mind is more on the things of the kingdom. The natural, physical, and human things no longer have a hold over you. Not because you are saying they are sinful, but because your priority has changed. You just discover you are more interested in going to God's house. You have a desire for the following things. Let me give you six things here. Number one, you discover that increasingly your desire is to please God. Increasingly your desire is to please God. First Thessalonians 4 1, Paul said, We have taught you how you ought to work and please God. Secondly, you will also discover that your desire is to do the will of God in marriage, in finance, with your time, with your energy. You delight to do His will. 
Doing his will becomes your food and drink. Thirdly, you also discover that your desire is to follow the leading of the Spirit. Romans 8.14, as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. You will discover your affection is set on those things. Doing the will of God is uppermost. When you want to get married, you are not saying I'm 35. It's the will of God I want to do. When you want to choose a course in university, it's not that I want to choose a course where I will work in Shell. The most important is which course will God have me do? Now when that is the kind of test that you begin to have, it's an indication you are changing, you are growing. The things of the world no longer have a hold over you. The things of yesterday that you used to tremble and follow, no longer. You have no test as it were anymore for them. We are for a very man being Christ. He is a new creature. All things pass away. Behold, all things become new. Your appetite is more for spiritual matters. It affects the friends you choose. You don't just want to be a friend to anybody. You want to be a friend with somebody who will help you grow. You don't just want to go to a church. You want to go to a church where the word of God is taught. Not where there are many more people. You don't want to go to a church that is popular or, in, or close to your house. No matter the price you need to pay to go to a church where the word of God is preached and where you can hear the truth and not falsehood. Not where you are going to be stimulated but where you are going to be impacted. When your appetite begins to feel like that, it's an indication you are growing. I open my mouth and I pant for I long for thy commandments. The things of this world are relegated. The things of the kingdom of God are now emphasized. Another thing you love to do is that you always now want to do whatever the word of God says. Your mind is not the mind of Christ. You think like a Christian. If I'm going to marry, you think like a Christian. If I'm going to do an exam, you think like a Christian. You have read, you have studied, but before you do an exam, your confidence is not in the fact that you have an opportunity to become a professor. But you say, no, I want to do the will of God. Not that being a, a professor is against the will of God, but for you, the will of God is more important than what some people value. It makes you a glory. Look, Moses could have inherited one of the most powerful thrones but he knew deep in him that he was not the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He knew deep in him. He knew deep in him that what God wanted him to do was better than whatever he had an opportunity to do. He refused deliverance that he may obtain a better resurrection. A change, increased spirituality in taste. Spiritual considerations become important in your choice, in your decision of occupation. In your choice, your decision of companions. In your choice, your decision of the way you use your time. Your time is now organized around Jesus Christ. The church has suddenly more, become more important than the place of work. Your destiny in Christ becomes so important that your temporary opportunities for pleasure. Now it shows you are growing. The things of this world are losing their grip upon you. The search for money is not as important to you as the search of the scriptures. Knowing the heart and the mind of God on every issue becomes paramount before you take a step. It's not just that it is there to do. It is that, is that the will of God for me that has taken over? Not just that I want to travel overseas. I want to travel overseas if it's the will of God. Not just because I want to live in Lord because everybody is living. I want to live in Lord because others have left. I want to live in Lord if that's the will of God now. At that point, your appetite is changing. Spiritual things have taken on a greater value 
than carnal things. God has become more important than mammon. That is growth. Your eyes are set above. You look more at the invisible than the visible. You look more at your destiny in God than what the physical terrain has to offer. All of these are indications of growth. Increased charity, increased discernment, increased spirituality of taste. You don't just want to dress the way everybody's dressing. You don't just want to marry because everybody's marrying. You don't just want to do ministry because everybody's doing ministry. You want to do the will of God. That is the most important and supreme. Nothing is worth doing if it's not God's will. When that becomes your motto, then it means you are growing. But if everybody is doing it, I want to want to do it. That's not an evidence of growth. Jesus came and the most supreme thing for him was the will of the Father. The child grew, walked strong in spirit, was full of wisdom. And the grace of God was upon him. You see, when your appetite becomes, I won't take any job that will compromise my faith. Ah, you are growing. But before now, you can do any job. I know someone who left the police force and said, look, I don't think if I remain as a policeman, I can enter heaven. I can make it. He said, I'm going to leave. So he left police force. Police force where you see black and you are asked to say it is white. Where someone is arrested for an offense and you, the file of the case disappears. The man said, no, I, I can't. Now that is gross. He was there for about 10 years. I remember after a time he came to me and said, excuse me, sir, this is my job. It's clashing with my spirit. He said, well, every time when I wake up and I'm going to walk like this, my heart sinks. That's growth. If you have the call of God upon your life and your ministry is growing and you're growing and you're in a profession that is holding back the hand of the clock, when you wake up and you're on your way to work, there'll be a depressive feeling. That is growth. It means that you are now beginning to realize that that is not the destiny of God for you. God has some better things reserved for you. I'm not saying that, I'm not saying this in the case of those people who are lazy. Because somebody may be feeling depressed because he's very lazy. He doesn't want to go to work. He thinks that ministry work is so easy. All they do is wear a shirt and put on a tie and come and sit in the office like Pastor Way and wait for one or two people who need deliverance or counseling. And if they don't come throughout the day by 12, you go and order for a pandemic like Reverend George. <laughs> All right, let me quickly tie this thing up. Increase, increase, increase charity, increase spirituality of taste, ability to design. I've given you how many now? Four. Number five, increase fear of God. The fear of God. Now, when you talk about the fear of God, let me explain. The fear of God that we are talking about here is not fear that he's going to punish you. Fear of God that is used here is the word that is translated reverence of God. Is the word that is translated respect, very great respect for God. Is the word that is translated a deep sense of honor for God. A deep sense of honor. 
The Bible talks about the example of people who the Bible said fear God this way. People who reverence God. Job, in Job 1.3 we are told fear God this way. Psalm 128 verse 1 says, Blessed is the man that fear the Lord, that walketh in his ways. Happy shall that man be, and it shall be well with him. Polybius, in Acts 10 32, were told, Fear God this way. How do you measure someone's fear for God? The way that person responds to God, the way that person treats the things of God. The way that person does whatever is asked to do. You can manifest your fear of God in several ways. Your deep respect to God by what you do. What do you do? Some people still tell lies. Huh. If you fear God, you will not. Psalm 19 verse 9. The fear of the Lord is pure, enduring forever. Psalm 34 verse 11. Come, ye children, let me teach you the fear of God. Proverbs 1 7. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Proverbs 9 10. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. What you do? A man who fears God will not do what will make God unhappy. What do you do? A man who fear God will not treat other people in a way that is contrary to scriptures. Second Samuel 23 verse 3. He that ruled in the affairs of men must be just, ruling in the fear of God. To rule in the fear of God means you will never do something that will violate the very principle that you know God will be happy with. What we do when we do such things when you fear god what you are supposed to do today you won't do it tomorrow today if you hear his voice psalm 95 verse 10 uh, psalm 95 verse 7 harden not your hearts what you do when you do it how you do it when you have a deep respect for god First Thessalonians chapter 4 verse 8 He said he that despised Despised not us but God Who has also given us the Holy Spirit The way you respond to A message or an instruction By your spiritual oversight Is an indication of your fear of God Your man of God Your senior pastor Your overseer The person who has the authority over you in Christ The way you respond to him is an indication of your mouth of his mouth is an indication a measure a reflection of your fear of God the fear of God the fear of God so vital so crucial we do not have the fear of God so much anymore we are not afraid to speak evil of dignity Psalm 112 verse 2 verse 1 says Blessed is the man that fear the Lord Fear the Lord, fear the Lord Let me give you a good example here God gave me this this afternoon It so much blessed me And then we we'll read one or two verses here And go to the next point God called Abraham This is what the fear of God Let me show you the candid measure of fear of God This Abraham must be looking for children all his life 
he has been looking for children all his life he had tried many things in all the childish before his wife grew old god now called him after god called him his wife even felt that look we can't have a baby anymore so she called the house girl and told the man pregnant this house girl so that this house girl can have a baby for us the man predicted the house girl and the house girl had a baby eventually god after so many years he had a baby and god now said bring that son your only son isaac whom you love to a place where you will kill him for me now this is what i talk about the fear of god brings respect honor reverence you can't hear about abraham struggling about it that's why psalm 26 verse 8 says i love the place where your honor dwells to honor a person means you give that person the right to tell you what you should do for psalm 47 verse 4 he will choose our inheritance for us the excellence of jacob whom we love he not told him say come the man never argued that is fear of god anybody you fear because of the god in them your actions will prove it not your mouth you may call him baba and treat him just like any other person in your life that is not the fear of god He said, bring your son, your only son Isaac, to a place where you will kill him. Abraham did not tell his wife. Because he knew where the level of the wife was. But Abraham had grown. Abraham was a mature believer. How do you know? He took the boy there. He laid the boy. He got the knife out. He wasn't playing. He was about to strike the child. Because uh -huh, don't do that. An angel of God said, Don't do that. He said, There is an animal there. God now spoke in verse 12. Genesis 22, verse 12. He says, Now I know that you fear me. He said, I know you fear me now. That is respect. Whatever God wants to take from your hand is not an issue of debate. Wherever God wants to send you is not an issue of contention. There are two scriptures I want us to read here quickly because of time. Open to First Thessalonians chapter 2 here. Now Paul was telling the, the people this. He was telling them this as an indication of his acceptance that he knows that they fear God. First Thessalonians 2. Let's read from, from verse 13. Are we there? For this cause, he said for this cause also, Thank we God without season. Because when you receive the word of God, which ye had of us, you received it not as the word of men, but as it is in truth, the word of God, which effectually worketh also in you that believe. You see, when you say you fear God, and the authority of God before you gives an order, you ought to honor that word that they have spoken the same way you honor the God of that leader. Not because of that leader, but the God that he represents. 
Today, the church of God, there is no fear of God at all. If there is a fear of God, some of you have boyfriend, girlfriend. If there is a fear, a sister told me this. He said, he said, I just discovered I cannot continue coming to God and worshiping God when I have a boyfriend who is not a Christian. He said, that is growth. Her fear of God has increased. She has been transformed in the inner person. But you are still worshiping God and singing the choir. Or you are still in the ocean. And you have a standing prophet who is an unbeliever. You don't have the fear of God. You are not growing. When the fear of, when you grow, the growth will let you begin to see God as somebody you cannot toy with. As someone you cannot lie to. As someone you cannot deceive. And so you begin to correct issues in your life that are out of place. The fear of the Lord is pure. Increase fear of God. That will affect the way you respond. What you do, how you do it, when you do it, where you do it, with whom you do it. Fear of God. God is great. Your respect for God. If you respect your father in the natural, you, may, you can't get into a boyfriend-girlfriend relationship without your father first of all hearing about it. If you respect him. But if you just bring a woman to the house and say, Daddy, I wanted to meet the wife I'm going to marry. Now that is disrespect in the natural. But do you know that's the way people marry? They never really tell God. They just go ahead and choose what they want. And no matter what you choose by your wisdom, your wisdom is limited. You will suffer for it. If you're wise, you're wise for yourself. If you refuse instruction, you will be at it. So most of the time, there's no fear of God. There's no fear of God. So-called born-again Christians come to the altar pregnant. There's the fear of God. But when you begin to grow, you will discover that certain things you used to do, you can't do them anymore. Certain things you have allowed and condoned, you can't allow them anymore. Certain things you are used to, you can't keep them in anymore. You can't hold them anymore. Your growth does not allow your conscience to be easy anymore about those things. Because of time, I'll quickly give you the last two here. Another evidence of growth is zeal. Zeal and diligence zeal and diligence you become zealous it means you become enthusiastic you become enthusiastic you have a spirit of intense desire it is one thing to be called by god and then another thing to be given direction as to what to do the thought thing is to do it in the right spirit you will see zeal in the life of Jesus, the young boy. Zeal. At the age of 12, they said they were looking for him. He told them in Luke 2, 49. So why are you looking for me? I must be about my father's business. Romans 12, 11. Not slothful in business. Fervent in spirit. Ecclesiastes 9, 10. Whatsoever your hand find to do, do with all your mind. Evidence of growth. You are more passionate about what you are doing. You don't approach with a lackadaisical attitude. 
you are completely intense not slothful you are dedicated you are concentrated you are devoted you just do what you need to do with the whole of your heart with the whole of your soul with the whole of your mind zeal and diligence you are diligent in business nobody tells you to fast you fast nobody tells you to pray you pray you become independent in terms of doing what is good and acceptable in the sight of god there is a passion with which you attack it nobody needs to force you to come to all night you have passed out all night on your own it's an education of growth when the church is growing in this way the church reaches out spends money in reaching out in getting souls saved develop more outreaches and ministries to capture and to touch the untouched regions there is a zeal a warmth something bubbly jesus had zeal a lot of it john 2 17 psalm 69 verse 9 Psalm 119 verse 139 said the zeal of the house has eaten me up because men of the rule have forgotten your law epaphras colossians 4 12 and 13 the man prayed to such a point that he almost died he said he labored fervently zeal is a description of the spirit in which you do what you do and when someone begins to grow you will discover that the spirit in which he does what he is doing is different but when someone begins to backslide you will notice it in the spirit in which he does what he's doing it always appears psalm 26 verse 1 for in thee o lord i put my trust O lord let me not slide lukewarmness is an indication of deterioration we need to be fervent in spirit not slothful but fervent in spirit not your mind should not be divided focus passion you see heat in whatever they see or do you see that he is not giving place to the devil it's an indication of growth diligence he's a student of the bible he studies the bible he does not just carry the bible around mm -mm. studies the bible he prays fasts he's in fellowship he's serving you see him everything about him is hot when there is a deterioration of heat is an indication of the deterioration of growth growth rate can be slowed the devil at times may not be able to stop us from growing but he can slow us the rate at which we are growing it can happen to repressive can happen to an organization can happen to a department and then one last point here just to tie this up for you to know you are growing another indication is this you are not affected by the praise of men neither are you affected by their criticisms the praise of men does not affect you if they praise you it does not enter your head if you are still thinking what you are doing is not being appreciated by the pastor or some people you are not growing yet people who do things that count never stop to count them you are not affected by commendation it doesn't affect you if people commend you oh, oh, oh. if they don't commend you criticize you <laughs> the fact that they criticize you does not matter neither is the fact that they praise you the praise is not being accepted if you love the praise of men you are still a baby 
if criticism stops you, it means if criticism affects you so much, you are still a babe. If you draw close, for example, to Reverend George, and say, ah, George, you and then because of that, you draw back. You have not grown. Paul said, that which I will do, I will do. When something is good for you and you know it's right for you, the praise of people never matter. And they call you walking Bible, walking concordance, you are this, you are that. It never stops you from doing what you do. It, it does not affect you at all. The more you become impervious to commendation, and the more you become impervious to condemnation, the greater the indication that you have grown. When they criticize you, does it slow you down? Does it make you feel unhappy? Does it make you bitter? Does it make you unhappy? Are you beginning to say, You are not growing. And there is nothing I do. And they will always see something wrong there. Everything I try to do, I don't understand. It shows you are still a babe. Who will not be criticized in this world? Nobody. Commendation will not affect you at all. You will not take it and enjoy it and savour it. Hey, I'm the best worker. Hey, why you behave like that? It's a lack of growth. But when they commend you, you just appreciate the commendation, and that's all. That's why it stops. And when they condemn you, you just listen to you with a smile in your face. It doesn't make any difference. I go to a place, I preach. Say, ah, it means nothing to me. Because I know, me alone, I can't do it. I know it's the Lord and I, the Holy Spirit and I. Without Him, I can do nothing. But do you know in the beginning, when I was still a young minister, if I finish preaching and nobody says, I enjoy the word, I might want to eat it again. Then I say, ah, then at times I'm tempted. I want word, you know. Then I will begin to feel <laughs> lack of growth. If a church is waiting for external people to say you are trying, and because you want to savour it, and then you publish it and print it and put it on the newspaper, the letter sent to you by the governor of the state, that church is not growing in depth. You don't savour commendation. It may be the devil trying to slow you down. Neither do you bother about condemnation. Experts condemned Jesus Christ. One time there was a man I was going to go to their fellowship and the man stood up in the fellowship and said, Reverend John, you don't come here. He said, does he think he's the only one? They quote the scripture, according to Mark. According to Mark. A parrot that is well taught will quote the same thing. And one of the members of fellowship came and told me. I said, praise God. The man said, ah. I said, glory to God. I said, the man has really shown me that I'm making a difference in his life. <laughs> The man went away and told the man, I said, eh, Look, let me say this to you. If we have listened to people's condemnation in this town, we will not have come this far. There was a time some people called me a cocaine pusher. And the money this church is spending is from such things. When I heard it, I laughed. <laughs> Father, forgive them. They don't know what they are doing. When they discover what you have discovered, they will prosper. The first time I have bought a message Benz in this town. It's not even I buy. Somebody gave me in 1991. 1992, another person gave me. So I had two message Benz all over the town. I said, hey! Ah. Oh, this man. Lord, oh, dear man. Oh, to, oh, to have backslide. But his backsliding is complete. By the time they see the cars, I'm ready. They say, hey! Even now. Hey! Kill us a man, you know? I'm bloody in the wall. 
have had it from Espas. I just smile. It makes nothing. If they learn what we have learned and do what we are doing, they will prosper. The same man who said I'm worldly when I got the Mercedes Benz, 1991, by 1994, he also bought a fairly used Mercedes Benz. And so when I saw him, I said, hey, you, you are actually, you know. And since then, several of them have bought various cars. So when they see the two new cars I just acquired, hey, uh, son, huh? you know, when you learn the principles Joseph learned, that even if your brother is selling into slavery, just bless them. Because where you are going to get to, you will get there. No critic can stop you. Nobody who is an expert. If they think they are throwing you down, they are not promoting you. They did it to Daniel. He got there. They did it to the three witches and they got there. You too will do what? Stand on your feet. Let's bless the Lord. Come on. Let's bless God. Let's bless God. Let's bless God. Glory be to God. Glory be to God. Glory be to God. Let's just bless the Lord for two, three minutes. I want us to appreciate God as